want to let you know, we had a powerful time. We, I pray for powerful times every Sunday. We had a wonderful time last Sunday. And I, I want you and I just to continue to meet with God this morning. So if you would take your Bibles out and uh, look in Genesis 32 is where we're going we're gonna to read for a little bit, go in that, and, and we'll have some other areas. But I want to talk about, uh, you know, we're talking about the title of the sermon. It's kind of an interesting title. It's Leave Yourself Alone. Now you've told, like, if you're, again, if you're a parent and you have kids, you're like, leave them alone, right? You know, no? All right, Lord, help me because they are not listening right now. Help us. And so the couple scriptures on there, you know, David said, be still and know that I am God. First uh, Kings 19.12, it says, uh, at, we'll go to this later, after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after that, a still, small voice. And so let's look at now Genesis chapter 32. If you have your Bibles, there's some Bibles in the pew. If you have your Bible on your, your electronic device, that's awesome too. Genesis 32, verses 22 through 30. That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maidservants, and his eleven sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had, after he had sent them across the stream, he went over. Uh, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. Think about that in a moment. He was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched, and he and he as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Penuel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. So Lord, today, this is your servant. This is your church. And Father, desperately do, not only do we want to just have your move, but we want to meet with you. Speak to every man, every woman, every teenager, every child in this room. And I pray that you would do a great work today as we wait in your presence, as we look at the word, as we hear about you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, if you've ever been in uh, media, there's a thing called dead space. Anybody heard dead space? Dead air? Dead? Okay. Space? So, in, in media, or, or uh, again, in television, live broadcast, and radio, uh, if there's dead space or dead air, this, this is to be avoided at all costs. Alright, so if you have a radio or TV and they have broadcasting and so if there's ever dead space this is a known I remember Olivia was uh, had a broadcasting license probably still does and she was working for an AM radio station in Colorado Springs before we got married and uh, you know if you're new at something and you don't transition I mean they have everything set up so every every from every song every commercial everything and so there, it just everything booms and sometimes they overlap fast but in that aspect there's supposed to be no dead air, no dead space. And so if you do that, of course, you'll get chided. And of course, if you continue to do it, you'll, you'll end up having a new job. Uh, and so, but in this, we live in a world of sight and sounds. Would you agree? Okay. So much so that many of us cannot imagine living a short moment of time with dead space, with dead air. We've become so consumed with multimedia, with sounds, and, and, uh, you know, back in the day, some of you remember we had the big boom boxes, you remember that? Some of you are like, what's pastor? Yeah, I'm, I know, I'm dating myself. So they'd have these like, 
anyway. Yeah, huge. And they'd blast music. And then, and then the Walkman came out. The cassette tape. Somebody like, what's a cassette tape? You research it, you know, back in the dark ages. And so then they would, they had these earphones, you know, and they had the puffy thing and you have it and they'd have the Walkman. You could put it in your belt, in your pocket and you see them. And then they had the disc man. Somebody remember that? Okay. And then this thing called MP3 showed up. Remember that? And of course now our phones and then now it's really cool. This is like really cool. Now they have like earbuds. You know, some of you, and so like, so if you, if you're smart, you can like cover your ears up, you know, and then so like you could be talking to me and you're like nodding your head, like, oh, you're, you're like what I'm saying, you're like, I didn't hear the thing you're saying. I got the, I got it going on here. Uh, and so, we fear dead space, dead air. Pastor Mark Buchanan says, here's the truth, the loss of dead space is killing us inch by noisy inch. And I recently read, I don't remember I was reading in a magazine or a book that I was reading, it says that it is actually healthy and stimulating to humans. That if you could sit for 15 minutes with no sound, no TV, no music, no earbuds, nothing going on. I mean, obviously the, the days of life. But it's healthy for you to sit for 15 minutes, not looking at your phone, not, just nothing, no electronic. It's just healthy for you. And some of you are like, this would be like solitary confinement. You're like... I, I can't do it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I'm daring you. I'm challenging you. Put that crazy device down. Turn off the music. Turn off, turn off the TV and challenge yourself to sit for, start for five minutes, then work to ten and work to, it's going to be soon like ten years to do that, right? It's just, it's healthy for you to have dead space, to have quiet, just to, just to think. And some of us, we fear that. We fear our own thoughts. We fear that quiet time. We, and so, in our, in our world that's wired for sight and sound, that feeds us with hectic music, busy lives, we feel that if we're not actively doing something, if we're not scrolling, and I do, I mean, I'm, I'm listening to podcasts and worship music, I'm listening to books every time I get a moment, but I'm also reminded I need quiet time for my own sanity, right? I, for my own sanity, I just need to have noise off and so that I can listen. And you see, this reality of this constant noise and endless activity is actually killing us inside. And this is where the title is, Leave Yourself Alone. Some of you, you really, your world is spinning out of control. And like, what do I do? What do I do? And you're asking everybody. But the thing is, you've never sat down and said, God, I'm going to just sit still. And that scripture be still and know. We used to sing a song a long time. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. See, a couple of you are like, wow, what is that? That's a new song. Yeah. And then there was a kind of a newer worship song. This is newer in the 90s, you know. In the secret, in the quiet, in the secret. All right, that's all right. You see, in this world of sight and sound, I think we lose God's presence. We lose His power. We lose His presence. We lose His purpose. We lose His love. We lose His conviction. We lose His peace. We lose His comfort because we feel like we have to have something going on in the background all the time. Maybe we have it all wrong. Maybe if we would build some dead space into our lives that maybe we'd be healthier, more peaceful, Maybe more happier. Maybe we can actually hear and know the voice of Jesus over all the other voices that are competing with those worldly voices. You see, if Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, God, actually took time to be still, maybe we should learn from that. 
You see, this morning, in a few moments, I'm going to talk about three holy habits that Jesus had. And so, if Jesus had these holy habits, don't you think that you and I would benefit from them? Yes? Are you ready to look into them? All right, so the first holy habit he had was solitude. Solitude. You see, the thing is, is we, 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 we fear this. We are obsessed with ourselves, and yes, we're also afraid of ourselves. You see, when Jesus was on the earth and John and his disciples were out, Jesus' disciples and Jesus were gaining popularity. People were seeing him and doing his work. And, and then John's disciples were saying, well, wait, wait a minute. Why is he getting all the attention? And John the Baptist, of course, said what? I must decrease, he must increase. Or he must increase and I must decrease. You see, we, as humans, we are addicted to attention. We, we, we seek approval, and that's a, a healthy thing. It, and it's a good thing, moms and dads, to tell your kids that you love them and they're doing a good job. It's okay to tell them that. It's okay to tell an employee if they're doing a good job, you're doing a great job, right? It's always encouraging. But so sometimes we, we've become so accustomed that we always need someone to kind of pat us on the back. Tell me, tell me how good I am again. But in that same thing, we're obsessed for approval, but we're also fearful. We're fearful of ourselves. We're fearful of that voice that speaks into you. You and I, we know it. That voice that says that we're, we're not good people or, or we have these faults. And so even Jesus' disciples were self-absorbed. Remember that? They're like, Jesus, when we, when we sit at the, your right hand, your left hand, we want, to, and they're like, they're telling Jesus, the Messiah, we're going to sit at your right and left hand. And remember that? They, they, and can you imagine this? I know none of you would do that. But when they were sitting around with Jesus, they are like, Jesus, who, who of us disciples is the best? You see, we, we want approval. We want to see Jesus that I'm me, not you, me. And we, we, we all want the approval, but yet we fear then the voice of quiet. We fear the solitude. We fear being quiet. We, we fear waiting on God. And so we seek approval of others and, and here's why. We avoid the quiet time with God because we think He's going to yell at us. We think that He's going to convict us. We think that He's going to tell us how bad we are. Now, He may do those things, but it's always to correct us into a relationship with Him. It's never to, to beat you down, to keep you down, but it's to help you be whole. And solitude with God may be painful. You, you Again, you, you look at Jacob. Jacob, this solitude with God. I mean, he was running from his brother. He was running for his life. He was running from God. And finally, he had to just separate that and he had to have time alone. And God then met with him. I want to challenge you that you need to build into your life solitude. Not being away from people forever, but you need to build into your life some solitude time. Solitude with God. It may be painful to our self-obsessed life, but it also it will help us to have a new nature. And we'll have a new understanding of God's love in our lives. You see, the account there is that Jacob walked away a new man. Jesus sought solitude. Mark one thirty-five. it just basically says, Jesus went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And so here's, my, here's the thing. If the Savior of the world required solitude, then maybe you and I need some solitude. Right? I mean, again, I'm, try, I'm challenging you because... I, 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 I'm a recovering workaholic. I mean, you can ask my family. I have a hard time sitting still. And I, I, I got delivered from Mountain Dew years ago, so it's not the Mountain Dew. Uh, I have a hard time sitting still for, for more than 10 minutes. 
And, and I mean, I, I love football, I love basketball. Like we had the March Madness thing going on and I didn't even make a bracket because it got messed up last year. But I was trying to watch a game and I can't sit and watch a basketball game forever anyway. And, I, and even when God's football team's on, I had to say it, the Broncos come on, I can only like watch part of the game or watch it. And then if there's another game on, like I can't, I can't sit and watch football anymore. But here's my point though is sometimes we need to retrain ourselves to say, you know, I need to sit in the presence of Jesus. I need to have solitude. I need to have a quiet time. I need to be in a place where I can shut off the voices of the world and wait. If Jesus could do that, if Jesus did it... You see, when you look at the Scriptures, Jesus was never in a hurry, right? I mean, I'm in a hurry. You never saw Jesus saying, oh my goodness, where's my phone? Oh, I got these things to do. I got to go. I got to meet these people. And uh, oh my goodness. Oh my, like last week, Lazarus did. Oh my goodness. Come on, disciples. I mean, it took him two days to go back to see where Lazarus was. You see, never, Jesus never was in a hurry. He was never overwhelmed. He never cried out how, how tough his life was. You know why? Because he spent time with God. He heard from God. He had clear direction from God. He cared for everybody. He cared for everything. You see, Jesus, this is kind of interesting. Jesus never had the Messiah complex. Something like, what? The Messiah complex is a person that feels like they have to fix everything and everyone. Some of you, I, in the name of Jesus, I release you from that. You are not God. You are not Jesus. You cannot and you will not. Because there's people and you think you fix them, then something else comes out. You cannot fix people. Only God can do that. And even Jesus, knowing that, he, he did not go around forcing Himself on people. He had to work in people, and He spent time with God so that He could hear the voice of God, and He would know, He would not be stressed out. Listen to this, panic and anxiety, panic and anxiety can cause us to make bad or wrong decisions. Come on, think about that. So like uh, sports teams, they practice and practice and practice so that if something goes wrong, they've been doing it. In the military, they practice, practice, practice. So when things go wrong, they just know what to do. So when you practice solitude with God, the more time you spend with God, you'll begin to hear His voice and you'll know what to do. In those tough times, in those stressful times. You see, Jesus took time to be with God so that He was, of course, that He made right choices. Will you take time? To be with God? I'm challenging. I know you're busy. I know that. I know that. The third part of this solitude is, is healthy solitude. Solitude gives us space to listen. In the solitude, if you're telling God what to do, you're not listening. Let me repeat that because some of you already, you're like, you've already, you've already shut me out. If in the solitude you're talking all the time, you're not listening. God cannot speak to you when you're engaging. God cannot speak to you if you always have a list of things. God, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to do it. This is when I need you to do it. Go. And solitude is, okay, God, I submit my schedule to you. I submit my time. I submit all this. And yes, you know my needs, but I'm going to wait on you. Healthy solitude. And also, let me be clear. Healthy solitude is, is not getting away from people forever. It's just getting away to be with God for time and coming back. And see, the word, as I talked about this earlier, the worst punishment on humankind is solitary confinement. It is the worst. None of us could last a long time in sol- where there's no people, no sound. You're by yourself. I've read, I've read stories about it. I've read accounts of it. People in, in uh, the military or prison uh, are those who've been uh, shipwrecked or they've had to survive and they said it was the worst thing they ever did being by themselves. 
And so when you think, well, I hate all the people anyway, I'm, you know, th- that's not from God either. But you need to spend some time away from people to be refreshed so you can continue to be with people. You see, some of you are extroverts, some of you are introverts, some of you are not. Where, where you vert, okay? But what I'm saying is you and I need to seek some solitude. Solitary can, is a good thing. You see, solitude with God is actually a cure for loneliness. You see, Jacob was running. He was lonely. He was the deceiver. Remember, he deceived his brother out of his inheritance. He was running for his life and his loneliness had to be healed, but it happened through solitude with God. He had to wrestle it out. God had to deal with him. He had to work with him. And you see, that's why some of you and I, we are afraid of solitude. He wants to set you free. And in the same thing, of course, the enemy seeks to get us into a lonely place. That's not God. Lonely place and solitude are two different worlds. Solitude is you're with God. You're just alone with God. Loneliness is you're away from everybody. And this again, this is, I talk about this often. You see these people that are mass murderers or they try to do evil is they get away from every, and they, all they hear is begin to hear the voice of the devil. The, the, the Virginia Tech shooting years ago. The Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber. I mean, just when you begin to listen to one voice over and over, the voice of God will never tell you to destroy other people or destroy yourself. And you see, that's what the, the wolves do. They separate you. If they can separate you from the flock, they can separate you from time of God, the devil will speak into your life. And so I challenge you, it's not just being alone, but it's alone with God. Now see, again, Jacob's aloneness made him realize that he wasn't alone. His solitude helped him realize that God was passionately interested in Jacob. Jacob was fearing, running, running. Some of you, you're running, saying, so busy that, I mean, the, the first thing you do when, I mean, the, the, as soon as you wake up, you turn on the radio or your music's going or the TV's on and in the car, it's going on, the shower's going on, you're at work, it's on, you come home, the first thing you turn on your TV, whatever, and you, you go to bed and so you never, you never have quiet time. You never have solitude. And I want to challenge you, build into your week if you can, solitude. Alright, you good? So Jacob discovers that he is, he is a deceiver. He wrestles with God. He's, he is wounded by his encounter. In fact, your, your time with God is going to change you. It says that he, he walked away with a limp. And so God had to remind him that I am in charge and now I will be you, you, who you need to be. And his, the next thing, the, the servant of God said to him, you will no longer be called Jacob the deceiver, but you will be called Israel, prince of God. He had a plan now. He had a purpose. And see, some of you, you don't know your plan because you haven't spent time with God. You need to wait. You need to have solitude. You need to wait on God. Amen? Let me move on. The next thing in this uh, is silence. Parents with young babies, right? Children. You're going to miss those days. When it gets quiet. I know, you know, Michaela's off in college and she's here this weekend, had spring break and Zoe's here. And there's times during the day when my, my wife's gone, I stay home and, and, uh, I do miss the, sometimes the, the, I mean, they still laugh and have fun, but I do miss sometimes those early days. Uh, but I don't want to go back to it. But in that silence, so time, sometimes though, we are wired for sound and media. And the devil and the world is constantly speaking into us unhealthy things, unhealthy unhealthy messages. And so sometimes you need to silence all those, as I said, so you can be quiet. David practiced waiting on God to hear from heaven. Our lives swarm with noise and activity and we are looking for an answer to fix our problems, but sometimes to fix your problems, you need to fix your time with God and just be quiet. Wait on God. Be silent. 
Silence with God will help us become better listeners as well as humans. Because humans, we're not good listeners, right? What did I just say? I'm serious. So I have to catch myself. and I get in a habit when somebody asks questions. I start answering the question before they fully say what they're going to say. Because we're good at not listening sometimes, right? You, you social justice warriors on social media, right? Someone starts typing, and you're already typing out what they need to do, right? I know I'm slow because some, I'm like, sometimes I have to do this. Some of you are like, sometimes silence is a good thing. You see, silence with God will help you become a better listener. I love, I love, I read this book there talking about, uh, uh, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, when people would come to meet him, they're always, they're always saying stuff, and it was just, it was just fluff. And he got so tired of meeting people and them just talking, 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 saying, 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 that when he would, uh, on social visits, he would sit down with them, and he, you know, his big smile, he had a great smile, an infectious smile, uh, President Roosevelt, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, would sit down and, and they would greet him, he would shake, and he says, I just murdered my grandmother this morning. And like, oh, that's very nice, you know, President, you're doing a great job. Did you hear what I just said? I just murdered my grandmother this morning. And but they were talking and talking and talking. If only one dignitary heard it said, maybe she deserved it. Here's my point with that is is you and I need to stop talking. Stop trying to say everything and just start listening. Come on, amen. You see, here's the next thing. The silence allows for deep contemplation. That's a big word, isn't it? Deep contemplation. Albert Einstein would sit for hours. Albert Einstein would sit for hours, even days in silent contemplation. He was thinking through. You know, he's just, just, really, your brain is really brilliant. I'm not Albert Einstein. That's right, because there was only one, but you are you. And if you would give your time to God and sit in silence, you will be able to solve some problems. You'll be able to hear the voice of God. You will be able to say, you know, why am I so worried about that? It's really not that big of a deal. Or say, you know, this is a big issue. I need to deal with this. Silence is golden, right? Silence can bring peace. So I'm challenging you to, to, to allow for silence in your life. Allow for God to speak to you. Allow for Him to move in you. And you see, without silence, we will only hear our voice and we'll never hear from the voice of the Creator. In fact, Psalm 139, 23-24, this is the ES version, ESV version. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there are any grievous way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. I love it in the NLT. Next thing, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends and lead me along the path of eternal life. You see, we fear God speaking to us. But it's not to condemn us, it's to change us. Come on, amen? God loves you. The, I need to move on because I want God to move. I want Him to be powerful today. But but I also want to be reminded that sometimes we get so addicted to to loud worship and the move and power of God that we fear the silence. If the pastor's not saying the one-liners, you know, wow, that's a good idea, you know. And if your life is full of one-liners, then you're shallow. You need to sit and be quiet. You need to study the Word. You need to wait on God. You need to allow the silence of God also then to speak into you during that silent time. Silence here. Silence, listen, this is a good tool in communication. You ever been in the meeting at work and that one person just constantly has to say something? Right? I mean, you're talking about something and they have no, they don't even know the project, but they're talking about, well, we do this, this, 
right? Some of you are like, God, yeah. And, and, and so sometimes we don't need to always be saying. Sometimes you just need to listen. You need to just wait. In fact, Jesus used this tool. It says the Pharisees went out, uh, Matthew twenty two fifteen. they went out and laid plans on, to trap him on his word. Sometimes your words can trap you. So sometimes you just need to be quiet, right? You need not to talk all the time. Do you want to know the mind of a fool? You don't need to ask him. He's going to tell you, right? He's going to tell you his opinion and tell you how wrong your opinion is, right? You know, we know this statement, right? Right? The narrower a person's mind, the broader their statements and opinions about themselves. If you have an answer for everything, maybe you need to just be quiet. Can I just say that? Wow, how immature of you. Oh, I'm sorry of me to say that. That you don't need to state your opinion all the time. Silence is a good thing. Do you remember Peter? Because he couldn't keep his mouth shut, he got in trouble. Remember, Jesus had to rebuke him. Remember that? Because he was always talking. He was that guy like Peter. Just I could be loud when I want. I'm a Pentecostal. I get loud when I want to get loud. Peter, shh. Don't tell me I love God. Don't you love God? Peter, shh. But his words got him in trouble. I, this is just free. I know. It's like, what? how does this fit with solitude? You'll see. Proverbs fifteen twenty eight. The heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. The mouth of the wicked overflows with evil words. Jesus remained silent while he was falsely accused. And so much so that he was quiet. They said, Jesus, will you tell us? Are you the Messiah? In his silence, they, his silence commanded respect. And I, now I'm not saying never say anything. Like when someone's doing something wrong, you should say, that's wrong. Don't do that. Um, putting your finger uh, near the light so- or in a socket is going to kill you. Don't do that. See, you know, well, the Lord didn't tell me. That's common sense. You don't need the Lord to tell you. Come on, amen? Some of us were so overly spiritual. I, I don't brush my teeth till God tells me. That's, that's not from the Lord. I'm serious. I mean, some of you, you're so overly spiritual. You, well, I'm just going to wait here till God tells me. No, God gives you a brain. You have hearts, desires, you have actions. Maybe you've been educated or you have skills. You're supposed to use those until God continues where in your quiet time He tells you how to use them. Come on, amen? That was free, by the way. It would be wise, though, for us... Here's the thing. It would be wise for us to keep silent when we are tempted to justify, to excuse, to exalt, to gossip, or to scold. You see, as a parent... The, the, one of the hardest things, and I'm getting better at it, is when my children say something, or when they were younger, and I, and I would just, boom, right on them. And now I, I, I still sometimes do that on occasion, I'm sorry, Zoe Michaela, I'm still growing. And there's times that I need to, but then there's times I just need to be quiet. And I need to let them learn their lesson. Or I need to let them tell me their, their side so then I can speak or not speak. Come on, amen? This total discipline of, of science will help us to increase in Jesus and that we would decrease. This same pastor, author, Mark Cannon, I think I have it on your note or up on the slide. Silence is the room we create the searching for God where we hear His voice and follow. Silence is the room we create the searching for God where we hear His voice and follow. The next thing is secrecy. Secrecy. So I'm going to get done in a few minutes, but secrecy is not the same as secretiveness. You see, secretiveness is where Adam and Eve were hiding in the garden because they knew they disobeyed the voice of God. Secrecy is, again, just getting away 
for your sake. Secretiveness is hiding something out of shame. Secrecy is hiding something so that God will change you. You see, we all do have the secretiveness. We've done things we shouldn't do. We think things we shouldn't think. We participate, and so we hide that. And of course, God sees everything, right? He knows everything. So you, you really, but we think we're hiding from God. But secrecy is a holy habit where we, where we can hide something out of humility, saying, you know what? I don't like the way I do this. God, would you help me? You go to that secret place. God, this, this thing is not good for me. Would you help me? Help me to overcome this. Would you strengthen me in this area where I am weak? And you see, this, this means, secrecy means taking our motives, our pride, our pretentious religious acts before the Lord and say, God, would you cleanse me? Galatians talks about that, crucifying our flesh. Bringing your flesh to Him and say, God, would you help me to become more like you? This is work. We don't like work. It's taking our pain, it's taking our stress, it's taking our brokenness before the Lord so He can bring healing. None of us like to admit we have problems. None of us like to admit we have faults. None of us like to admit that we struggle. But when you go to God, David did this often. Moses did this. Paul did this. Jesus went to God. You and I should practice this secret place. Not hiding sin, but saying, God, here are my sins. Would you help me? Would you help me to become like you? James 4, 8 through 10, it says, Come near to God, and He will come near to you. Wash your, wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Verse 10, listen to this. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. You see, in the secret place, you can bring your faults before God and say, God, I'm confessing these. Would you help me? And He's not going to beat you down. He's going to lift you up now. But if you keep thinking, I don't have a problem, I don't have a problem, I don't have a problem, that problem is going to be a problem in your life. Remember Jacob's time and struggle with God in his life? Are you going through struggles because you don't want to spend time with God? Because you're too busy. You see, secrecy is good as well. So let me just throw this at you, and I, and I talk about this often. Um, and I have these little, these are, um, I'm not really sure what they're called, they're um, moleskin journals. And so I have one here. If you want it, by the way, I just brought a, a plain one. I'm challenging you every week, if you can. There, I'm, I, I'm, I, have, I have one of the ones I've written in. And so uh, as much as I can, there's times it gets so busy, but I try to spend at least one day a week, at least a couple hours in that time, just waiting on God. Quiet. No phone. No music. Nothing going on. Just me, my Bible, uh, a pen, and this, this moleskin. And in that, there are times when I think about stuff I gotta do. Sermons come, things I gotta work on, scriptures come. Uh, and so, this comes from the secret place. So I'm challenging you, if you don't have a, get a notebook, get a Bible, get a pen, find a place where you can be quiet before the Lord, at least 10 minutes to an hour. I know it's hard. 30 minutes. Take this journal, moleskin, there's no, no magic in this, but I have tons of piled up. Messages from God, things that I need to work on, people I need to talk to. So I challenge you, I'm not showing up, but I, if you want to grow, you're going to make an effort. You're going to make an effort. So this is important. So take, get, I mean, you can do whatever you want. Uh, again, don't, don't take an electronic device. I tried that. I used to try to take an iPad and take notes, but all of a sudden, guess what? You know, some of you can't handle it. Amazon. Oh, Pinterest. Oh, Facebook. Oh, that's cute. Oh, yeah. Oh, emails. Oh, oh. And then you've lost your time with God. So, 
I know some of you think it's like, some of you don't even know what it's like without a cell phone. Those were great days. They're, they're good days too. Now, but no electronic devices. Well, pastor, my Bible says, then you need to do old fashioned. Buy a paper Bible. Okay, and if you're like me and your Bible, the letters keep shrinking, then buy these things. Reading glasses. Like I said, all my books and my Bible, the letter keeps shrinking. I don't know what's happening. Um, it's, it's called getting older. All right? And so I challenge you. So secrecy, again, is the same. And I'm just going to move on to this real quick. Is Jesus said, Matthew 6, secrecy is doing good while no one, uh, no one notices. Matthew 6, 1 through 4, be careful, uh, not to do your righteous acts before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Then I'm going to go down to verse, uh, 4. So that your giving may be done in secret, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You see, the more time we spend with God, the less we need to have our ego stroked. The more time we are spending with God, the more we just want to do good. And we don't have to be like, oh, look, we're doing this. Twitter, eh, look at me, sharing the gospel with Jesus. You know, look, I'm telling people about Jesus. Oh, see, helping this person across the street. Look, here, Periscope. Look, we're walking. And see, you're, you, you just received your reward. And if you like, everybody's like, oh, I, I got six more followers. And yeah, look at me. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm all that. Mmm, and the anointing oil. Mmm. You just received your reward. And Jesus said, don't do it for public attention. Just do it because you love me. Just do it. See, you don't, if, if you're looking for a reward, you, you've missed out. But you see, the more time we spend with God, the more His love flows out of us and the more of His nature comes out of us. And we will do good to others regardless if we get our hours marked off, whether we get a tax deduction. We just do it because we love Jesus. Come on. Nothing wrong with tax deductions. Nothing wrong with getting hours for service hours. But we should just do it because we want to do it because God is in our lives. Come on. Amen. Strengthen. So here's my question. Worship team, would you come right now? Luke 3.16, Jesus answered, John answered them, said, I, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come with the thongs of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And then Jesus spoke in Luke 24.49, but Acts 1.8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So if, if you're going to just for a moment, they're going to play in the background, but I do need to read parts of... If you would take your Bible, I know we're moving along. We're doing good. First Kings 19. Turn in your Bible, and yes, you can use your electronic device. It's okay right now. First Kings 19. See, first is the waiting for the fire. You see, Jacob had to wait on God. God had to work the flesh out of him and had to become a vessel of God. Some of us, we've not yet taken that time to wait before the Lord. And, and I'm talking about even in the sense of being baptized in the Holy Spirit or it's been a while since you've been filled with the Spirit. Maybe you just need to take some time to say, Jesus, fill me with the Holy Spirit. I've never been filled. Fill me. Or it's been a long time since I've been filled. Refill me. We, we read that I think somewhere, we, we did that in our prayer time today. Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Again, the, the imperative in the, in the Greek is to be being filled with the Spirit. Continue to allow the Spirit to fill you. 
But you see, I, I, re- I read early on one of the scriptures about that, that Elijah was a man of God and, and he went and the fire came, the wind came, the earthquake came, but God wasn't in those things. You see, sometimes as Pentecostals, Spirit-filled, we think that only time God speaks when there's fire, power, someone's rolling on the floor, and there's a tongue interpretation. And we caught up in that, that we missed the still, small, And it comes from being quiet with God. It comes from waiting on God. You see, when Jesus said in Luke 24, he said, wait in Jerusalem, wait. Man, some of you can't, wait is like, what does that, what does that mean? I mean, you, like, you, like, you, you've already ordered lunch right now, some of you. We got lunch. See, this pastor's in jabbing his jaw. We're going to eat some lunch. We, I mean, it, Sometimes I have to discipline myself. I mean, I need more books to read. I don't. I have to discipline myself. And it's easy because there's an Amazon. I can go like, click. And the books can sometimes even come that day. I mean, you just have to go to the library. You just have to go to the bookstore. You, I mean, you just have to go do... And so some of you need to just wait. You need to just not... You need to wait. But really wait on the Lord. You see, we have trouble waiting on God. We don't like that. We come to church on Sunday morning, 10.30. It's 11.57. Pastor Stan, you got three minutes to, to wind this bad boy down. Because if God ain't speaking, I am leaving, then you're going to miss out. You need to wait on the Lord. Would you allow Him to just move? Now let me go on to this. The second part of this is the power after the fire. So there's the power waiting for the fire. Then there's the power after the fire. First Kings chapter 19. First Kings chapter 19. You see, in, in this account, in this account here, this is where now Elijah has a power encounter with, with the prophets of, of Baal. And, and Israel and Judah had, be, had begun to fall away from God. They were worshiping other gods. And, and they, were, they were saying, see whose God is God. And, and so you, you, we all remember this. We love this account. We love that uh, Elijah said, okay, why don't you guys pile up your, your, your offerings and pour water on it and let's see if God, you know, and he did this. And then he calls down the power of God. Remember that? That was exciting. We, we love that Pentecost. Oh, the fire of God. Hallelujah. <laughs> right? But after the fire, Elijah was threatened. Queen Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you. And what did the man got? Oh, I'm a Pentecostal. You can't harm me. I've been, I'm a Holy Ghost healed. <gasps> no, he, he bolted. Oh my goodness. The queen is going to kill me. I'm out of here. He saw the fire of God, but yet because he maybe not spent time with God as much. And he did. We see some of us were so caught up in the noise and the loud worship or the, and there's got to be a tongue interpretation and we didn't have church. Oh. <gasps> I'm kind of teasing because that's the old time Pentecost preacher preach like that. So you're like, what? Are you having breathing problems, Pastor? No. Let me read to you now what happened. He runs for his life. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by the food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Verse 9, there he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, listen, because we all get this. I have been very zealous for, for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant and broken down your altars and put your prophets to death with a sword. And here's where we all get this. I am the only one. 
left and now they are trying to kill me. Verse 11, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain and in the presence of the Lord for the Lord is about to pass by. Here it is. Here's where we like this. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. Listen, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the the wind, there was a great earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, the fire, that's it, always the fire, came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after a fire came a gentle whisper. You see, Elijah experienced the power of God. He was threatened by Queen Jezebel. And in that solitary place, the angel of the Lord fed him multiple times. You see, some of you, you have not been fed for a long time because you have not gone to that quiet place. You need to spend time and allow God to refill you, to replenish you. You need to stop running with busyness and run to God. Then Elijah goes out with power and he raises more people. He, he anoints people to be king. He raises up his successor. You see, it's in the quiet place that God strengthens us and burns out the garbage and gives us power. Do I have the slides? Can you go to the slide? There's pictures. Let me just show you. So Mount Carmel uh, is a real place. Do I have it? So this, it's kind of hard to see, but this is, this is a um, piece of granite, granite slab. This is on Mount Carmel. That little circle is where they say that the fire of God came and burned down. So hit the next slide. So you can kind of see the angle. So there it is back there. That's our, that's our guide right there. The guy with the blue and that. He, he's, he's Rafi. Uh, hit the next slide. So if you, then if you look over, this is Mount Carmel. You look over and there's, there's the valley and there, there, the brook of Kishon was down there. And so, uh, um, Elijah went down there. So this is a real place. This really happened. And then it says that he traveled, uh, basically to Mount Sinai, Mount Horbus. It's a long journey. He traveled 40 days, but God knew that he was going to go through some stuff, so he needed the strength of God. You see, in the fire of God and after the fire, God is going to strengthen you for the trials. Jesus spent 40 days in prayer and fasting, and what came? The temptation came. Would you stand with me this morning? You see, as I said, it's, it's the quiet place that God strengthens us and burns out the garbage and burns out the fear and gives us power. Now again, you're not supposed to stay in the quiet place forever. You need to be with people because we need each other. And here's what it says. Leave yourself alone. Enter God's presence through solitude, through silence, through secrecy. Let the love of God flow. This will take work. It takes work. But if anything of good value takes work. Do you want to grow? Do you want to hear the voice of God? Do you want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit? It takes time. It takes work. It takes self-discipline. Would you allow God to speak to you this morning? We're going to pray in a moment. But even in that quiet time, God doesn't want to condemn you. He wants to cleanse you. He wants you to be conformed to His image. He's going to burn out the junk. And it's going to be better for us. But after the fire, in the fire and after the fire, we will be vessels of honor for the Lord bright, hot, and burning for God. Father, would you pour out into us the Spirit of God? Some of us in this room, we are running from you. We're running from ourselves. We're running from our troubles. We're just, we're so busy, always having, have music or noise or always having something in our lives that we don't have time to hear the voice of God. Would you forgive us? Would you help us to leave ourselves alone in your presence right now? That we are going to take this morning, and this three simple truths, solitude, 
secrecy and silence. That we will get in our place where we are alone with you, God, to hear from you. To be renewed, to be refreshed. That, Father, it takes time, it takes discipline, but we can do it. We have the time, we have the, we have the ability to do it. So, Lord, help us this morning. See, friends, if you, if you do that, you will move from surviving and just getting by to a new, a new life on fire and a thriving for God. So the question is, what are you going to do about it? You see, Pastor Shane can get up here, and I could, we could have the loud Pentecostal, you know, powerful move of God we last Sunday. But if you don't take it in and do something with it, it's a waste of time. If you don't take this message and practice the solitude, the secrecy, the silence, you are hurting yourself. Because you see here, Elijah saw the fire of God come down from heaven and burn up the false prophets. He saw the, the wind. He saw the earthquake. He saw the fire, but God wasn't in those. And sometimes we're looking for God in the signs and wonders when it comes to solitude. When it comes in the silence and it comes in the secret place. Father, would you help us to practice those solitude things, those times of silence, those times of just being secret with you, God. Father, would you move in every man, every woman, every teenager in this room today because you want to speak life into us. That David said in Psalm 139, your thoughts for me are just beyond all measure. And then David even said, if there's something impure in me, clean it out. But then fill me. Jacob was changed with his encounter with God. Elijah was changed with his encounter. Paul was changed in his quiet time. Jesus changed the world because of his quiet time. What makes us think that we don't need quiet time, Lord? I'm not here to convict us, but I'm here to challenge everyone us to have solitude, to have silence, to have secrecy. So this morning, maybe there are some here this, this morning, God, that have not given their lives to Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. And no man comes to the Father except through you, Lord Jesus. So, so friends, with your eyes closed, your heads bowed, just for a moment, I want to give opportunity, because we're going to have an altar time, and I want you to respond as the Holy Spirit leads you. But I want to give you opportunity, too, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you know it's time, and you need to accept Him, and you, you want to be delivered from the ways of the world, and you want to be delivered from the fear of death and Satan, Jesus is here to set you free. All the Bible says, call on the name of the Lord, and He will save you. You confess with your mouth, and you believe with your heart. With your eyes closed, head bowed, just for the privacy. So you know, Pastor, I want to accept Jesus Christ. I want Him to be the Lord of my life. If you've never done that and you want to do it, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me, Pastor Stan. I want to accept Christ as my Savior. All right, go ahead and put your hands down. Would everyone just pray after me? Dear Lord Jesus. Come on, everybody pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that you are the King, that you are the Savior, and I make you my Lord. I confess my sins. I come to you to change me, to make me whole, to heal me in my mind, in my body, and in my spirit. Now, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your power. Fill me with your love. And fill me with your purpose. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we're not going to go yet, but if you made that prayer, there's a book in the back. It's, it's, it's following, it's following Jesus. But here's the nasty thing.